0: of the time, it works. Every time. I am loving You
1: are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now,
0: here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's
1: Johnny! I don't know, but it feels like...
0: I was frozen when you walked in the room Cause every single word It just
1: makes my stomach turn Cause I don't know you But it feels like I do Hey moviegoers You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews With Sky And Colin And I don't know if you guys feel it But can, do you feel like I do? Oh, I feel like you do, bro. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, feel like I do. Yeah. Uh. Get it. Woo! It's a bop. <laughs> this is a bop. That's a banger too. <laughs> Gotta love
0: Vin Diesel. Yeah, that's Vin Diesel coming at you with number three three ninety nine on the top four hundred new rock alternative. <laughs> I love that that came out, like, in the pandemic. (laughs) Like, he was just like, what do I do now? He was like, well, I haven't done music yet.
1: Guess I'll try my hand here. Pretty sure that prolonged the pandemic. And he released this upbeat bop about, like, like, geez, my life is awesome. I don't know why you guys don't feel like (laughs) I do. (laughs) And even the picture. Oh. (laughs)
0: I know I was it was it's so it's so tone deaf not even it, just in terms of his shit singing, his singing.
1: <laughs> but his message <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad I only found out about this song like two months ago my favorite thing about it though so the song comes out mid-pandemic very tone deaf comments turned off. <laughs> yeah, I know. You well, cannot comment
0: it That was on, it on YouTube. That was the thing is you I was walking the dog and it was late and my phone goes off. And I pull it out and it's just a text from you with the thumbnail and it's Vin Diesel's dumb face smiling. And I was like, this isn't real. And I clicked on it. And I was listening to it. and I noticed there's no comments on it. And I was just like, the, like the account is like the real Vin Diesel or some shit like Vin Diesel official. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is this? So I just texted you back. And I was like, is this real? And
1: you were like, yeah. And then I was like, Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude. Anytime. Like if we stop at a gas station and I'm sitting in the car and Meg goes in to get something when she comes back, the song is on. <laughs> It's too good. It is too good.
0: I'm glad you played that. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else I'm glad I played be. it, too. Yeah.
1: I had almost forgot about it. Oh, oh I'd never forget. <laughs> never forget. <laughs> never forget. Listen, everybody, <laughs> I love the. I do love the message of this song, though. Listen, guys, pandemic's been going on for a couple months. I know we can't give you Fast 9 right now, but I got something better. <laughs> It's a a song about how I'm awesome (laughs) and ain't shit going wrong in my life. So you guys should suck it up and enjoy it. And feel the way I do. (laughs) And feel like I do. Also, I don't want to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, exactly. Comments (laughs) off. (laughs) Also, fuck you. (laughs) I I am now accepting zero critiques. He was just worried The Rock was going to make his way into the comment section. You know what's funny, though? Because now The Rock's got a rap song. And that's another one where I'm like, this could not sound more like (laughs) the rock. (laughs) Like he didn't even try to like, he's like, I'm going to like adopt like a rap thing. Like, I feel like he did a better job as Maui with -hmm. the raps and stuff. But this is just like, you've heard the rap, the rock one, right? No, I have not. You haven't? No,
0: dude. It is. I mean, it's bad. Surprisingly, like, I do not seek out the music projects of action stars. serious a cast.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the funny thing. Half of that cast is actual rappers. And the guys who are not rappers or musicians are just dropping tracks left and right right now. <laughs> I wonder if Ludacris is sitting there like, motherfucker, what have I done? I think, uh, oh, whoa. Wait, when did the Rock re- release his was it recently? Yeah, like last month. Maybe it's a it's a diss track. No, it ain't no diss track. You, I mean, in Here, theory maybe, maybe right he was now. just
0: like, you know what? Vindita, I got to I got I to gotta one up this kid.
1: Oh, he's coming for it.
0: I think that's what it was. Cuz they got that
1: beef. It was a disrespect track. Oh, it's a disrespect track all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Rock did a song with Tech 9 the rapper. Who's actually Great rapper, but yeah, the rocks verse alone is like what anybody knows about the song. I actually haven't heard a single bar from the rest of the song. (laughs) Oh, here we go. All right. So I got it pulled. I got it queued up where we need to be at. You ready for this? Mm Mm-hmm. Face off. It's about drive, it's about power. We stay hungry, we devour. Put in the work, put in the hours, and take what's ours. Like in some more in my veins, my culture, banging with strange. I change the game, so what's my motherfucking name? Rah! What they're gonna get? <laughs> Desecration, defamation. If you wanna bring it to the masses, face to face, now we escalating. When I have to put boost asses, mean on ya, like a dream, when I'm rumbling, you are going to scream, mama. So bring drama to the king, brama. But with extreme mana. <laughs> you love
0: it? At least he went for it. Oh, he, oh, so he sc- went for screaming, it. motherfucker! Oh, dude, I, Vin Diesel's one is just
1: like—it's ah, fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a whole episode just listening to, to these two songs.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, what other what other action
1: action stars have dabbled? I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, Bruce Willis has a band he plays harmonica in, right? <laughs> Is
0: there a solo of his somewhere?
1: Uh a harmonica that we, solo? Th- that we
0: can bash? Oh, my God. <laughs> let
1: me see. Bruce Willis. Harmonica. Um, I see you a song not, called <laughs> Devil Woman. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, apparently. He's a great, great harmonica guy. What a weird instrument to be like, that's what I'm going to fucking nail down. Yeah, I'm going to be the, the number one guy on harmonica, although he's definitely not the number one guy because I feel like that's um, what's his face? Uh, Blues traveler. Mm. <laughs> oh, Harmonica
0: is one of those things that where it's like you could if you know guitar, you could technically play harmonica also at the same time if you get good enough. So you're like, I could just be a one man band. Yeah, I don't got friends. Yeah, you need this friends? on my own.
1: I used to have the I used to have the rig, the headset rig where you can play harmonica while you play guitar. It's fun. Love it. Good for the good for covering Bobby D, Bobby Delon. Can you uh play harmonica? Yeah, I can play a little bit of harmonica. I'm not like, well, doing the fucking like trills and stuff like that on it and like going crazy, mm. popping off. Yeah. But uh popping <laughs> off on the harmonica. <laughs> no, I'm not popping <laughs> off on the harms. I'm you know, I'm like uh I dabble, I dabble in the in the harmonica. <laughs> I didn't know popping off as a thing you could do on the harmonica. Dude, if Vin Diesel can pop off the way that he do, that he he feel like he do, and the rock can pop off the way that he do on that Tech 9 track, then I can pop off mm-hmm. on a harmonica. Yeah, I'm going to reiterate. I don't think you could pop off on the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look up right now Action Stars. Who rap. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I'm, I'm about to ask Jeeves. Can you pop off on the harmonica? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me ask Jeeves real quick. You know, um, <laughs> oh, how about this? Oh, what a fun what th- about this transition? Rapper to action star Mark Wahlberg. Oh, well, we
0: forget. I mean, it's 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 funny. Uh I think last episode or the episode before, I mentioned that I had gone to trivia night and there was a bunch that I got. There was a uh a question and it he wasn't the answer, but it was like, it was like musician turned movie star did this song, and we guessed Mark
1: Wahlberg for that one. Yeah, there you go. I like it. <laughs> I
0: think it's funny because what's the name of that song? Is it is it Good Vibrations? Yeah, I <laughs> Flow Rider sampled it, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> feel it, M- feel Mark it. Wahlberg
1: and <laughs> Mark Wahlberg and Flow Rider. Hmm. Uh, Flow Rider is a. Uh... National hero for you, right? (laughs) I was going to say just just two Boston guys. (laughs) A couple couple of Boston boys. Imagine Flo Rida was from Boston. Yeah, I know. That's why that was funny. (laughs) Your name's literally Florida, dude. (laughs) Yeah. He'd be like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, is it? Think about that. I'm just a rider with a nice flow. I didn't even think about that. I wonder what other states can be good rap names. Yeah, I don't know, man. Let me see. Are there any states that are like Mick, Mick, Texas? That way it's like MC Texas. Mm. Mick, Mick, Ohio. <laughs> Flo Rida. What a fucking stupid name. <laughs> That's fucking dumb.
0: There's a, there's a clip. This happened maybe like t- two months ago, but uh, the first Flo Rida concert uh, post-pandemic and there was just like they were interviewing people and there was this one guy there and he's like, I've been waiting my whole life for this Flowrider concert. And everyone's just like, he's not even saying his name right. I love that.
1: I love seeing like <laughs> people in hard public. Hard ER. Yeah. Seeing people in public forums state that they love something and then say their name completely wrong. <laughs> But also, nobody waits their whole life for a Rider concert. No, the guy's only been around for a few years, like, what, what you true, mean? Yeah, yeah, it's like I was born in 2010 and I've been waiting my whole life to see Rider. So, technically, you that's your son's generation, yeah. That's my he's been waiting, so, he actually has been waiting his whole life. Yeah, to see Flo Rida. Say, that'll, that'll be a conversation you guys will
0: have one day where it'll be like, dad, i of- always wanted to go see Full Ride, right? <laughs> pretty much
1: my whole life yeah and at which point I will be like you can go live with your mother <laughs> so you, just walk
0: you just walk slowly towards the window and then just crash through it
1: <laughs> <laughs> perfect now um, I would hope that he has better taste than that I would hope that he um he likes the things that I like and when we go see a movie that uh our opinions don't differ and he will feel like I do. <laughs> you know. Feel like I do. Feel like I do. <laughs> that song is a bop though. I mean it's not it's really bad but it's a bop. I when that so <laughs> when you showed it to me I think it was like the
0: next day I just played it like on the stereo. I was like, Brianna, I was like, guess who this is." And I started playing it and she was like, this voice sounds so familiar. Do I know this person?" I was like, "Oh, you know this person?" I oh, was like, know uh. "Uh." And she was like thinking for a long like long time. Like the the song was probably almost done and she just goes, "Is this Vin Diesel?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the so only dying. reaction you can have. I really hope that I know we're late. This is like a year. This song has been out for a year and I only just discovered it like a month ago. But uh, I really hope that there's a lot of Swampies out there who didn't know that that song existed. And we put them on because I want to see the downloads skyrocket from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want I want you guys to start sending in to us. What is your favorite line from feel like I do by Vin Diesel? <laughs> like what? what when you're listening what part of the song like really hits for you and makes you feel like he does i think that's really what it is it's it's less of a thing of like you know hey guys i know you're in a pandemic and i'm a millionaire but like you should be happier about your life i think it's more of a thing like he wishes we could all feel like he does he wishes yeah. that all of us could be in a fast 9 movie and the way that that casting process looks it's going to happen for all of us. Eventually everyone will be in it, (laughs) exactly. But maybe that's what it is. It's more of a, um, you know, well wishes. He's hoping that everybody can share and rejoice in the feeling that he has. And I think that that is very honorable. And (laughs) if you ask me fast 10, it's going to be an a plus Oscar winning movie. (laughs) <laughs> if he's bringing that talk, kind though, of energy
0: oh yeah yeah Re- real talk though when I'm back for Christmas for like a week let's yeah. record a pop
1: punk cover of that song oh that'd be amazing I could do it <laughs> yeah yeah. do you got stuff to record at your house Uh, I don't but Gabe does <laughs> Gabe we're gonna be hanging out <laughs> hey Gabe
0: we, we need to record ASAP why we're covering a Vin Diesel song. <laughs> yeah, it's important. I don't know what would be like. Like, why are you recording a Vin Diesel song? Or
1: Vin Diesel makes music? They're both important questions. I don't think there'd be any questions. I think Gabe would just straight up be like, no. <laughs> You're
0: probably right. not doing that. <laughs> Whenever Gabe texts us, he... I feel like Gabe at this point should just not text us. Because it's probably infuriating to text us. Because we don't answer anything sincerely. <laughs> he, like, Yeah, he like messaged us recently and he was like, he was like, uh, hey, do you guys like still like really
1: like Marvel? And we were like, Marvel? What, what is that? No, I hate that. DC all day, baby. And he just yeah, like, we just geez. immediately <laughs> just trampled on whatever he wanted to talk about. Yeah, here, I think, I think here's he the funny. exchange. He said, do you guys like Marvel at all? And I said, never heard of it. And... <laughs> Within like a minute, you were like, "Nah, DC for life," <laughs> to, to which I was like, "We are incapable of answering questions sincerely." Then we talked a little bit. We you mentioned one thing about Eternals because uh, this is before it came out, and you were like, "Uh oh, it's getting it's getting some poor reviews on Rotten Tomatoes." I said, "Fuck it, let's go see Dune again." Then you and I proceeded to send back memes of Sting from Dune nineteen eighty four. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gabe had not answered for like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just and now it's just you and me texting about Dune with Gabe <laughs> looped in, who yeah. asked nothing about Dune in the first place. He hadn't. He did not want to take part in that conversation. He started a group chat and then we took it over with Dune, yeah. but kept We're him like, in it.
0: The- sure, but Dune. He like. I just am imagining him sitting there his phone's blowing up and it's nothing he gives a shit about. <laughs> yeah. That being yeah. said, why wouldn't you give a shit about Dune?
1: That's true. That's true. Wait, are we doing a um No, oh, no, it's next week. <laughs> I was like, "Are we going to talk about Marvel today?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, no we're not." No, we're talking more Dune. We're talking My more Dune. Dune. Um No, we're not Trailer Park. <laughs>
0: You want me to to announce this one? Because I know you forgot
1: it. I remember what it's called. What's it called? It's this all right. Well, I know what it's about. And I if I remember correctly, this is a story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world.
0: (laughs) Oh shit. But (laughs) you got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's like and there's like an interesting juxtaposition because while she looks so sad in photographs. I absolutely love her when she smiles. Yeah, remember that song directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> um, Wait, is this a yeah. Michael Bay movie?
0: No, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I want. I'm waiting for
1: the Michael Bay adaptation of that song, of the song, not <laughs> and turn it into a movie. Yeah, I want. I want Michael Bay to go back and direct early 2000s like pop punky emo alternative music videos. Mm-hmm.
0: This song is cool and all, but it would be way better with a billboard of Victoria's Secret mm. and an explosion. Yeah. What movie were we doing? And low-key racism. Um <laughs> we're doing The Black Phone.
1: Yeah, I don't know anything about this. That's why I was like, "You want me to just say it cuz I know you literally just told me you don't know anything about it." Never heard of it. I know absolute zero. There couldn't be less to for me to know about this movie. I already okay. forgot the name of it again. <laughs> um, this movie, I
0: actually almost wrote about in one of the previous newsletters. Um, it's getting getting hyped up a little bit. I think I'd mentioned maybe like a year ago, I finally watched Sinister. And I know Sinister, there's a, a big portion of people out there that are like, Oh, oh Sinister is like a, like a modern-day horror classic. It's so scary. And I watched it and I was very underwhelmed by it. But... Uh, Sinister is director Scott Derrickson, and Ethan Hawke is the star of that movie as well. And uh, they're teaming up again for this movie, just the Black Phone. Um, in Sinister, though, Ethan Hawke is like the hero, and in this one, he's taken on the role of a villain, which I'm very interested in. And yeah, people have been people have been pretty stoked about it. The version that I heard about it was that this was basically going to be like the horror equivalent of Room, and okay. uh, and I was like, oh, okay, with with Ethan Hawke being the abductor, but I think we should just watch the trailer because I, when I watched the trailer for the first time in the theater, it played when I saw. I think it was last night in Soho. It played, and um, I was like. This is not what I expected. <laughs> so I'll say one more thing on the black phone real quick just to get you maybe excited. The director of this movie is also the director of Doctor Strange.
1: Okay. Oof. Don't even mention Doctor Strange right now. Yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, you want to you check out this trailer? Yeah, we should. I'll be home in the morning. Where are you going? I'm staying over at Susie's tonight. What's new? The flyer. The papers call him the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you. The he grabber. Really take kids that
0: <laughs> I love that. Oh, you goof. <laughs> well, isn't that just peachy keen? You need some help? You see that? <laughs> Would you hand me my hat? Yes, sir. I am a part time <laughs> magician. Are those like illusions? would you like to see a magic trick? I have an announcement Oh, Blumhouse. One of our students, Finny yep. Blake, was abducted.
1: What if I could help the police find Finny?
0: Doesn't work since i was a kid
1: i'll scream i'll scratch your face this face daddy
0: i had a dream about it
1: what happened in your dream he was taken by a man with black balloons yes
0: we never released those details anyways Cable loose from down there.
1: There's a combination lock on the inside of this What's the storm door.
0: I curved it in the wall. So, this paranormal part of it was not the what tree, I had heard. That's that? what proved it. I've never seen it before, except in my dreams. You don't have much time.
1: Hmm. You're gonna use a weapon. You raise the phone, step back, and swing. Look what you made me do. Please hurry! You remember what I told
0: you?
1: Someday I have to stand up for myself. Someday is today, Finn. Interesting. Interesting is a good way to put it. So you have child abduction mixed with paranormal activities. yish? Huh. I I don't know how to feel about this. Because sometimes... All right. So it's universal and it's Blumhouse. If it was just Blumhouse on it, I'd be more likely to just be like, Oh, this is going to be stupid and shitty. (laughs) But a lot of times Blumhouse we've talked about on the show. They just come in for the blood budget. Basically. It's like, Oh, it's a horror movie. So like, we'll put our name on it, but it's not like an in-house project. Like movies like ma are where it's like Blumhouse is making the movie. They are like the main studio putting it out. Those are usually terrible. Um, I think get out was universal and Blumhouse. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. There's been a few movies that are like that where it's like universal is putting it out. They're fronting most of the production. They get the the team together on it and Blumhouse comes in and you know, they're putting money into it too. But like I said, it's probably just like the blood budget, the horror budget. But, um, I don't, I honestly don't know how to feel about this. The mask designs are cool. But sometimes I worry that like movies are they're going for like you know what what's going to be marketable. So like a new design like mask like you look like you go into like Spirit Halloween store and you have like all the movie masks that are up there now. Yeah. You know like oh mm-hmm. what's in the hot show this year like cool like go get your Squid Game mask and all that. Yeah. So it's like why why does he need the mask? Especially when you meet the guy and he's got no mask on in the streets. Yeah, I don't know. Also, what a stupid kid. It's like you see all these things. It's just like, yeah, missing person. Yeah, there's a guy out there. They call him the grabber. Then the first adult you see who has a van is in, you're just like, oh yeah, sure, mister. I'll help you out and follow you. And be like, fuck no. Cross, go back the other way towards civilization. Find find another person. <laughs> You know, I'd be so pissed. <laughs> I was pretty abducted? much going to say,
0: yeah, I was going to say pretty much exactly what you said. I feel like for every like five movies that Blumhouse has their name attached to, like for every five shitty ones, one really good one comes out, regardless yeah. of not like whether they're the, you know, the main studio or not. Um, and you see a lot of these like these movies get big names, like even... Uh, you know, when they got, um, I'm,
1: trying to remember, I'm blanking on her name. Who's the woman from uh, Ma? Fuck. I know it, too. I literally just watched the thing, about uh, Octavia. Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Uh, Spencer, yes. Yeah.
0: You know, even with Octavia Spencer with Ma, like, she's a huge name. She's been nominated for Oscars and stuff. But that movie was fucking terrible. Like, I was excited. I, I am still pretty excited. I really like Ethan Hawke. I think he's pretty much amazing in everything he's in. So, I part of me almost feels like he wouldn't have taken this if uh, it was some schlock. But we've also seen other people who are really big that have taken some crap movies from Blumhouse. So I don't know. I it definitely intrigues me. I'm still not sure how I feel about the paranormal aspect of it. But maybe, uh, maybe it'll 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 turn me onto it when I'm when I'm watching it.
1: Maybe there's truly there only know. one the, way to find out.
0: Yeah, but. I mean, the director, he's he comes from mainly a horror background. Um, like I said, he did do Doctor Strange, but, uh, you know, he directed Sinister, and then I'm pretty sure The Exorcism of Emily Rose was one of his, which <laughs> I saw that movie at the, at the Discount Theater in Middletown, and I remember, like, someone got up in the middle of it and was like, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that sounds about um, right. That's how I feel about, like, but, all of those exorcism movies. Yeah,
0: but... Yeah, I mean I think it, I think it has potential. I feel like a lot of uh Blumhouse movies the trailer comes out and immediately I'm like no. Like <laughs> the last few years it's like Fantasy Island and uh oh. like Truth or Dare and all this shit. I'm like no, thank you. I will pass. That's a hard pass for me. Um yeah. so yeah, I'm I'm interested but uh cautiously optimistic maybe.
1: Okay, interested but hesitant. You got anything else on this? I honestly do not. Let's get the fuck out of here.
0: We never said what movie we're reviewing.
1: <laughs> is that true?
0: I think it is true. I think we spent 20 minutes talking about Vin Diesel's
1: music. Well, I needed to know if you felt like I do, so I don't sure. regret anything. Mm-hmm. I regret nothing. Yeah, we are. Um, we are here to discuss uh last night in Soho, mhm, which we're both have been looking forward to, yeah, it's funny, um,
0: you know the last episode was dune uh this episode is last night in Soho with two years ago pre pandemic when we did our top five most anticipated for the year, dune was my one, this is my three, and they're they're back to back um episodes it's just it's very very awesome that we're we're getting movies that like we're really excited about. I'm pretty sure Ghostbusters was on your list of anticipated movies and that's coming out, uh, what two days from recording that comes out this week.
1: Oh, wow. Is that how soon it is?
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, on the 19th, but, um, I, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure the year that baby driver came out was 2017. I think that was before we started the podcast, but, even even back then, I would like rank out all the movies that I saw at the end of the year, and yeah. Baby Driver was I think my number three that year. I loved Baby Driver, so obviously like hearing that Edgar Wright was doing a movie, I was into it. Christy Wilson Cairns is one of the writers. Edgar Wright's the other writer on this movie, um, but she had just done 1917, and I mean Anya Taylor Joy is like the new It girl. Like and I think we both really like her from you know stuff like The Witch and uh and Split and the New Mutants, of course. Um yeah. <laughs> but and then Thomas and Mackenzie's making a name for herself. I mean, she was uh she was in JoJo Rabbit and uh Leave No Trace, and then uh we're all about that glass life. But both both these two actresses are just blowing up right now. And, uh, so obviously I was very, very excited for this and, um, yeah, it came out and now we're going to talk about it. Where do you want to yeah. start on this one?
1: Wow. Where do I want to start for me? Let me see. Cause I didn't take notes during the movie. So i I've been bad about bringing my notebook into the theater with me these days. And, um, I did take some notes after the movie because I had a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Mm -hmm. A lot of theories. And that's something that I really like about this movie. I think a lot of Edgar Wright's movies do this. Less so Baby Driver. But, um, you know, you kind of see it with uh, how he created that universe between Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and At World's End. Where Mm -hmm. that there's some connections and maybe you can make some uh, assumptions or some... What's the word I'm looking for? Some theories. Some theories based on what you think might be actually happening in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think this movie does a good job with that as well. I think we get to see some uh, ambiguity through there. And I think that the writing... Okay, you know what it is. I'm sorry I'm struggling. <laughs> on On one hand, I feel like the writing is really good which doesn't su- totally surprise me and there are things that i really love that is embedded in the writing but on the other hand there are some moments in the script and throughout the story especially like kind of like the second act where i feel like it's not as stellar as i might expect it to be does that make sense it's actually kind of uh
0: funny that you mentioned that I love Baby Driver and but when you watch Baby Driver, the first act of Baby Driver is like like perfect. It is just amazing and everything after the first act feels a little it just doesn't stack up. Like I still really enjoy it, but that's how this movie kind of was for me. Uh because out of the gate, the first I'm trying to think how long this movie is. I think it's almost 2 hours. I think it's like an hour 55. I would say like the first hour of it. So the first act and going into like the beginning of the second act, I was like so invested and floored in this movie. Then some of the horror elements start to like, they become more prominent later on the movie, obviously. And it's not that I disliked it, but my interest somewhat wavered a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. You mentioned like halfway through, I think. Like, I think there, the writing is very strong for a lot of it, but then I think there's things that it gets caught up in later on the movie that maybe deter it a little bit or maybe make it a little bit sloppy. And I'm sure we'll get into all the spoilers and all that stuff.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: I did want to say this though. If I had to like rank directors, I'd do like a top 10 list. Edgar Wright would probably be in my top 10. When you see an Edgar Wright movie, it has so much style. There's, there's a, you know, an awesome sensibility you know to it. The editing is usually just fucking awesome in them. And his humor, I love, like, I think I don't, I didn't mention it here, but I think I've mentioned in the past, Scott Pilgrim is one of my favorite comedies of all time. And I feel like, you know, if you're going to go see an Edgar Wright movie, it is not going to feel, like, generic. It is going to feel different. It's going to be very unique. And this movie is no exception. Like, when when I was watching it, immediately I was like, oh, I love the vibe of this movie. It's just refreshing. Like, there's been a few movies where I go and I see that I'm like, yes, (laughs) someone who actually, like, has a voice (laughs) and they're making a movie right now. And I, yeah. And I, I love that about this movie also like very unique, man. You want to talk about
1: putting you in like a time period. This movie does it really fucking good. Oh yeah. The look and the feel like so good. Like the way that they captured like Soho in the sixties and also I should mention too, because we are in America, like there is a Soho in, in New York as well, but that's not what we're talking about. Cause even when, before the movie had come out, I, or like before the trailers had come out, I was just like, Oh, Soho. Like I, my brain had just told me, I'm like, it takes place in New York, (laughs) but uh, that is wrong. But dude, I actually watched like a good amount of like, you know, behind the scenes making of like featurettes, stuff like that. And like hearing him, you know, talk about that area in that time. I was like, oh, this is gonna be like really cool. Like it sounds like he's paying a lot of attention to detail. I think he always does with his movies. It's actually funny, like we're talking
0: about locate locations that he shot. I'm pretty sure he shot hot fuzz in his like hometown, which is just yeah. like funny because it's like a movie about like corrupt like public safety. <laughs> yeah. No. But um and he's just like, I'll put it, I'll put it in my home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's um I wouldn't say it's the first thing that I noticed. The first thing that I noticed that I was like really digging about this movie is actually the characters. But after a while, like there was just certain things that kept creeping in where I was just like, Oh man, this thing is like firing on all cylinders. This thing is also like killing it. And just capturing a location and making you feel like you're like there was, is done phenomenally. Cause you see in the trailer, she somehow ends up back in like the 1960s and those scenes look Awesome, looks so cool. But yeah, like I I mentioned earlier, and I guess we've been kind of talking about the writing a little bit. But when I was saying, I think some of the movie is a little bit weaker than the others later on the movie. It does apply to that because for me, the beginning of the movie is mainly character driven, and I loved the characters in this movie, mainly Thomas and Mackenzie's character. But you know, I think she was really good in Jojo Rabbit, and I think she was really good in Leave No Trace. I think she was not great in Glass, but I also don't think it was her fault. But here, I think she's phenomenal. You mean old? It's, oh, yeah,
1: old. <laughs> just, another another just, M. Night movie. Yeah, you doing that just made me realize that both of the lead women in this movie have been in M. Night films. Yeah, but here, she is so
0: good. And also, they do such a good job of making you, like, care about this character because I felt so bad for her for long stretches <laughs> and got, like, really attached to her. So then when things start going, like, sideways, I... Yeah. I actually felt bad for. But then yeah, I think later on in the movie it becomes less about the characters and it becomes more about the horror and it becomes a little repetitive and that's what started bumming me out is I'm like, oh, you gave me such good characters for this whole movie and now it's like kind of just becoming a little cookie cutter in terms of like the horror genre. But overall yeah. like characterization on the movie I think is really strong.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with that too. There were um at least for the characters who were like most important, I did feel like some of the side characters were a little hollow, but Mm -hmm. they were kind of, they weren't there so much as like characters as they were like devices to move our main character along, you know? Yeah. Most of the characters in the movie, I guess this is like a little spoilery, but they
0: also like show in the trailer. Most of the characters in the movie aren't from her current, time period. So right. it's she's only she's only experiencing them at certain moments and they're kind of fractured moments. So I feel like it's it's kind of sometimes hard if you're doing it like that like in a sense you're watching flashbacks to really get you invested in a character, but like even Anya Taylor-Joy's character, I I got invested in her story and and you know, there's certain moments where you feel really happy for him. and then later on you're just like, "Oh, this is this is awful." So oh, yeah. I think I think with like the, the way they decided to kind of structure the movie with it being like that, it's pretty impressive that they were able to get you to care about a character like that where you're pretty much only witnessing like a few moments in time via flashback basically. For me, like I didn't really care about like her friend or kind of like the villain character of the movie. Like that didn't really bother me. But like, you know, your two main characters, I think they did a really good job of getting you to care for them, especially one that's like not really on the screen that much. I don't know if that's really a spoiler, but like, I think a lot of people expected Anya Taylor Joy to be like in the whole movie. She's like, kind of not in the movie like a ton. Let's say maybe
1: a half of it. I mean, she I'm trying to think. Yeah, she shows up here and there, but she's not this. Uh, I don't even want to say she's not like the central focus, but I think as the movie goes on, her presence is more of a um, like an ominous feeling. If that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. See, this is a mm-hmm. movie where I feel like I'm going to struggle a lot until we are fully blown open on spoilers. Okay. You know, because I, can... I don't want to give away too much. And I feel like this is a movie where, like, I think you do spend a good amount of time trying to figure out, like, well, what is going on here? You know, yeah, why is this happening? For sure. And that goes back to the ambiguity of what's going on. Like, I like... I like that there you can theorize a couple different directions and it, the movie doesn't really answer it all the way.
0: No, I, I don't think they do. I think they I think they leave it in a spot and we'll get to that. But I think it's they leave it in a spot where there's a lot of possibilities as to what could have been happening. But I don't think that you will be unsatisfied. Like I think right. there's sometimes where you you don't know what happened and it's frustrating. I think this leaves it at a point where you're content with the ending and you still like, it could go in so many directions.
1: Yeah. I could agree with that. Cause it definitely sparked conversation for Megan, myself when we left Mm -hmm. the, the theater and you know, I'm a big fan of being able to like converse about, Oh, what do you think happened here? What do you think this was blah, blah, blah. Did this mean anything? Was this nothing? Was this a red herring? Um, that's something that I feel like Edgar Wright's really good at doing too, is like peppering in things in there. And it's like, this actually means nothing. You know, this was just like a cool thing that we wanted to do. Yeah. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, because, you know, sometimes when you talk to other people,
0: like you, you get new ideas or it like flushes out your opinions on things. I haven't talked to anybody about this movie yet. So I'm like, I feel like my theories for the movies are like kind of fresh or I don't even know if fresh is the right word. They're just not. Maybe they're not uh untainted. Yeah, yeah. We we can get into spoilers in a minute. There's only like really a couple other like things that I really wanted to talk about that aren't spoilery. But one, I think the cinematography on this movie is like really really good. I don't know if you felt that way, but I was oh, there. Dude, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, there is one scene in particular that um my balls hit the floor. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, whoa. The there's a scene where, um, one of the characters is dancing, and then the other character, who's experiencing it, is entering uh, the dance at the same did, time, and it's a one take. Oh my did god! Did you did you watch the the thing I sent you? Um, I didn't watch it, um, but I think I know how they did it. Like I yeah, I think it's I think it's in frame.
1: Like I think they just filmed it. They did. They just filmed it. And, like, literally, yeah. it's just like one would swing out of frame. And then, so what they did was, ugh, dude, it's insane. So, you know how there's that rig you've told me about for, um, uh, when do they use it? Quiet Place 2, where they could, like, mm-hmm. set it up where it'll be like, it'll, um, it'll just repeat the same motion. Yeah. Over and over. Like, you can just, like, train it. So, they didn't do that. They actually just did the shot uh repeatedly and the videographer or you know the uh whoever whoever's doing it just like repeated it over 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 again until like the like got got the muscle memory down and then the actors had to keep doing doing the scene so they did a one with thomas and mckenzie one with anya taylor joy and they just mimicked the exact same camera motions around the dance and choreographed it and timed it perfectly. So it's actually just editing, but there is no, Mm -hmm. there is no CGI. There is no, it's just like smartly like cutting it in where it needs to be. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. There's so many practical effects used in this movie in places that nowadays they would just impose. Like a lot of the times when you're seeing them in the mirror They are actually just standing there. They are in the same scene with each other. It's not just them standing in front of a green screen and Mm -hmm. they put their image in on the mirror and post. That way it doesn't mess with the reflection. It'll Mm be parts of the mirror are a mirror and then there's a piece of, of the glass that is not reflective. And then they're standing on the other side of the glass with a green screen behind them just so that they could put in the reflective background behind them fucking Mm -hmm. thinking on a level that like most anybody else would just be like, okay, film Anya on a green screen. We'll shoot the scene. She's looking in the mirror and then we'll edit out, you know, Thomason in the mirror and just impose what we filmed on the green screen with Anya. But he wanted them both to share the scenes. He's like, the movie is about this connection between their two characters. So he was like, I didn't want them to be filmed separately I wanted all of their scenes to be together so even the scenes where there is a mirror they are they are there but they're not directly interacting he's like I still wanted them to share the scene so that they can yeah. stay connected he's he's the man
0: that's why when I mentioned earlier where I was just like his movies typically have like phenomenal editing that I assume that's how it was done was that it was it was just shot and then knowing him they composited it like they edited it that way when I was watching it, like it was crazy. Cause I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, man, this scene is awesome. Like I, they, that's like some really clever, like, like compositing or like, just like CGI. They, they were able to put them on a green screen. And then I was like, I don't know if that's what it was. And so in some ways I like only half watched this scene because I was so at like, how the fuck do they do that. And then, yeah. and then while I was thinking that I was like, Holy shit! This is a one take. (laughs) I was like, "This is fucking amazing," (laughs) and uh, insane what they're doing. Yeah, I was just I was so blown away by that scene. But in general, like, I think all the scenes, like, not even not even because they they're capturing this time period, but the the way that they were able to do that, where you know Anya Taylor Joy is walking down like a staircase, and you see Thomas and Mackenzie kind of in like the reflection walking down at the same time. Like, the visuals are so cool. Like so so cool in, in that regard yeah. and um yeah I was just so like blown away by it and it's funny like I didn't think that I was gonna be really blown away by any visuals for for like a moment because I just watched Dune and uh and I was just like man Dune did such a good job and like I think in some ways this movie and Dune are doing similar things where it's it's not uh it's not like how impressive can we make it because I was also thinking about this the other day like I think in the Dune episode I'm not sure if I edited it out but I think I mentioned it when we were recording like I was just like yeah there's like some directors that are like coined like visionaries but all they do is just throw like an absurd amount of shitty CGI at you know at the screen right. and I think like the difference now is the people that can use CGI effectively within something that they actually shot like find the mix between the practical and the computer and right. Dune did that, you know, spectacularly. This does it also really well. And I think there's just like a disconnect when there's too much stuff on the screen that you know is computer generated. And when you watch something like this and you're just like, How the how the fuck are they doing that? It's uh it's just so impressive. And and like I don't think Edgar Wright's ever been like considered like a visionary director or anything like that. I I love him, but I was watching this, I was just like, I feel like he's a little bit underrated in terms of his camera work and like, like tricks and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Cause you cause know, this I was is...
1: thinking about that. So I don't remember who makes it, if it's vanity fair or if it is um, fucking, what's it called? Uh, like GQ, whoever, but whoever does the, um, the notes on a scene on mm-hmm. YouTube, those are so I... good. So good. Oh my God. The Deniville new one is amazing when he's breaking down the the gom jabbar scene and then uh, i just watched edgar wright just made one and he's breaking down a bunch of scenes from a bunch of his movies it's not just last night mm-hmm. and as i'm watching it i'm like you know i loved these movies i love these movies that he's talking about and i never noticed some of these tricks or even if i if I knew like, Oh, I like this movie. He does really cool things in it. This looks really cool. Never really realized the work that goes into pulling something like that off. And like, we know, I think baby driver was like a, the big one where you couldn't ignore it because how shots are timed with the music and how just insane that is to choreograph a movie based around your soundtrack. Mm Hmm. But otherwise, I didn't really consider what fucking magnitude and what level this guy was working on until watching this thing. And I'm like, yeah, he should very well be looked at as... What's the word you just used? This um, Visionary? Visionary, yeah, because it really is fucking visionary the way he's compositing these scenes and everything.
0: Yeah, for me, I think Baby Driver was really the one that put me on notice and just... Going off of Baby Driver, kind of the last thing that I wanted to hit on, I really like the music on this movie. I really like the soundtrack, and I really like the way music is used at times. And there are moments in this movie where you you see Baby Driver come through. Like you're like, oh, I can see the work that he did on Baby Driver is being applied here as well. Right. Because there's she's she's pretty introverted, and there's a lot of scenes where you know she's got like headphones on. And you hear the music through her headphones, but then, you know, she takes the headphones off, and like, it makes that sound of someone removing headphones from their head real quickly, and like, you hear the person talk through, just stuff like that. Like, I, I really dug the, the audio design, and you know, kind of similar to James Gunn. I, there were songs that were obviously very popular, but I don't think it was like, the hits. Granted, I'm not like, the, the, uh, the authority on 1960s music, no. but, uh. No, no. You I'm nineteen seventies, baby. Uh, I knew it. <laughs> but no, I, I uh I really like the music choices that they, they use in this in this film. I was I was
1: into it. Yeah, me too. I mean it made sense with what they were doing with all of like the um um I don't wanna call it time travel, but you know what I mean. Like all, all of the aspects of time that they were playing with. Mm-hmm it absolutely made sense for them to use like a older soundtrack or p- pull songs from, from that era uh, yeah. to help tell that story. Um, and yeah, it, it really does music in all of his movies. He, Cause you know, look at Scott Pilgrim, look at the queen fight scene in Shaun of the dead, you know, like music yeah. has always been part of like the storytelling devices that he uses and to a great effect, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't surprised to see that here. <clears throat> always done really well. Besides that, I mean, the design on all levels, the you know, production sound, everything. Like always that's going to hit. Where I think some of the movie kind of not necessarily falls apart i don't want to say that because i don't think that it does i don't think that it truly does um fail it, mm-hmm. in in the aspects that i don't love like even those i don't feel like are a complete failure um i do think that there are some weaknesses in this movie towards especially like the climax um in terms of it being like a mystery throughout, like the film and things like that, there are some predictabilities that, at times, I almost feel like are inevitable, just based on the way the movie is going. So it's not necessarily like a huge negative, but I think to talk about it more freely and to continue talking about the movie openly, we should probably bust open spoilers. Yeah, I'm. I'm here for that because I think I actually
0: think we're probably going to feel similarly about this because there's right. things that
1: I want to say about, about it as well. So yeah, from here on out, let's, let's do spoilers. All right. I think the I think the ending is kind of predictable. It didn't blow my mind. So the whole story revolves around Thomas and McKenzie's character having these dreams and being transported back into the sixties in Soho and mm-hmm. following Ani Taylor Joy's character. Mm-hmm. And through that, she's witnessing these horrible things that are happening to her. And you're meant to believe through one vision that Anya Taylor-Joy is murdered in her bed. And then there's a twist reveal at the end that that's not quite the case. And she didn't die. Mm-hmm. That, for for a while, I was just like, wasn't thinking about it. But then when, as it ramps up and you start seeing these like ghosts that are following her and it's all these like gentlemen callers, you know, these men who are all the Johns who are yeah. using her and stuff like that. And they're all the dead ones. I started to be like, are they the ones who are, I mean, like given the time they like could all be dead, but I'm like, why are they the ghosts? And Anya Taylor-Joy is not Yeah, seen as a ghost. Why are these other people? why are some people seen as ghosts and other people are not? And then I'm like, Oh, I I bet you she's not dead. And I Mm -hmm. bet you it was this other way around type thing. So like, I think the, I don't know if the point is necessarily to be like, Oh my God, we got you so much as it is to try to, uh, gain sympathy maybe for Ani Taylor joy's character towards the end, because this is the, you know, the real big spoiler is that her landlady is Ani Taylor joy. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. as an old lady. And yeah, there was, there was even things about that, that I was like, Hmm. About. Yeah. There's just a lot of questions there, which sometimes I'm okay with, but there are some, some things that I'm like, I don't know if that necessarily works. Yeah. For me, I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't, that
0: didn't bother me that it was, you know, her landlady and all that stuff. Also, I think I pretty much just mentioned Thomas and McKenzie and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy when kind of doing the, the down low on this movie. But uh, Diana Rigg plays uh, her landlady. I think it's Mrs. Collins is her name. But uh, this is actually, the, I, to my knowledge, this is the last movie that she filmed before she passed. So Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I uh, I guess it's it's a little bittersweet because people have come to love her. But, yeah, I mean, none of that really bothered me the thing that was kind of bothering me and you had kind of mentioned it a little bit, like there are these, these ghosts that are kind of tormenting her the entire time. And I think that it is predictable kind of what is going to happen solely, at least in my opinion, solely because um, in terms of the horror, those image, like those ghosts, the imagery that they're using is very overused. Um, yeah, it's a little movie 'cause cause it's, much. It, yeah, like I wasn't going into this movie, like, like craving a, like a horror movie. Like it's an Edgar Wright movie. Like I, you know, I'm hoping that there's going to be, you know, his editing, some of his sensibilities, great visuals. And I expect like the characters to be great. And that for the most part, I got that. Um, but you know, it being marketed market, a horror movie and definitely the further this movie goes along, it, goes more and more down the horror path. Um, I just felt like, yeah, these things aren't like scary looking and, and that's like the only presence that's like really like affecting her. Like it's just, it's very monotonous. She, she goes back in time kind of, and then these things show up or later on the movie, they're just showing up in present day. And, you know, they kind of they kind of chase her and they go away and then she's fine for a little bit and then they show up again and then she's upset and then they go away. And it was like that goes on for like at least like a half hour of this movie. And right. I, I think it becomes predictable because there is just an over reliance on like this one thing. I think maybe they could have done it better, both in terms of the scares and also just kind of uh like masking uh what the end game was on this, you know? Right.
1: I think because it was so utilized that it trans um, not translated, but it like it, it, um, Oh shit. Was it was transmitted what it, what its intent was too easily. Yeah. 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 That's, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. Like once it gets really ghosty, I, it started to lose interest to me. Like I was I Same. mean, dude, there are some scenes that are like, Oh, man, super upsetting. Like, especially when you start getting into, like, what's happening to Anya Taylor-Joy back then. I'm like, ooh, this is rough. It's rough for multiple reasons, but the way
0: that they, they structure the story, going back to what I said earlier, you know, they show these fractured kind of memories, and the memory they show right before, you know, all this terrible stuff starts happening is, like, a great one. So it's like you... You leave her being really happy for Anya Taylor Joy's character, and then you come back, and then you're just like, "Whoa, what the fuck happened?" Like everything is awful
1: all of a sudden. And you feel yeah. like shit because of it. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, that shift that happens is, uh oof. And it's also, it's. I mean, that's smart. It's interesting because now you have, you you just got um Thomas and Mackenzie all excited about this this world that she's discovered and this girl who's she's like you know wow what an icon what an idol this and that and then you come to find out and be like yeah it ain't all it ain't all that you know there's mm-hmm. you know she she fantasizes about being this woman who she sees as being like super strong and um really just uh empowering and then this harsh truth about her character and what happened to her and you know what's really what was really going on and how i mean i also love that idea of like this this fucking awful guy kind of diminishing the light in this she could have been a star you know like she is a star like just that that's how it that's how the story should go you know mm-hmm. cuz she is she is a badass like Anya Taylor Joy like in that like first scene and everything like she is everything that Thomas and Mackenzie saw and wanted her to be and that you watch that light get put out in her and it's so if it hurts to see it like it it is it does such a good job making you feel so bad for her and I can see why they did spend that time with that especially with the payoff at the end. Um, where there's like this, you know, it, there you can understand why Thomas and Mackenzie is is not just like, "Lady, you're a serial killer, you got to go to jail." She's like, "Yeah, I get it, I know why it happened." Now, this actually leads me to a theory that I had. Ooh. Okay. So, all right. Well, talking about swerves and things like that, and how great. Edgar Wright is about like planting little seeds in the viewer's heads and whatnot throughout the movie, Thomas and McKenzie is like running in the streets and stopping in the streets and nearly getting hit by cars. Yeah. And and then later she gets into an argument with this old man at the bar who she suspects is the one who murdered Anya Taylor joy. And then he goes and stands in the street and is talking back to her and they're fighting and whatnot. And then he gets hit by the car. I loved that switcheroo where like the whole movie, it's like, teasing you about her getting hit by a car, her getting hit by a car, constantly almost getting hit by cars, him even making mention of it, the time when he's, like, calling out to her and trying to figure out who she is. And then he's the one who gets wailed by it. I love that. I love that little turn there. Like, gotcha. But I have a theory about that detective, because that's who he is. She thinks the old man is the sleazy agent who takes advantage of Annie Taylor joy and pimps her out, but he's actually the cop or the, I don't know if he was FBI or detective, whatever he was, who was, who you see in the scene of, um, uh, Yeah, where she's that, at the table. He's yeah. Like that's the last a, guy that shows up. That's a lovely name. Right. And then, yeah. um, he's the last one who shows up. So mm-hmm. my thought, my thought on it was this, He's the last one who shows up, right? All of these men have come. She gives them a different name, blah, 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 blah. I think at that time he wasn't there to be like, I know you're a prostitute and I know he's, this guy's your pimp and I'm going to, I'm going to get you guys. Cause in the movie, at the time that you meet him, that's how it seems. That's what you, we think he would be talking to her about. You're a prostitute. I'm going to get you. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, get your guy. I'm gonna get your pimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm watching you. I think he actually went because all of those John's had been missing had went missing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he went because he's just like, I want to know who you are or you're about. Like, where are these guys that he's actually investigating murders? He's investigating these missing persons. And that's why he went and talked to her. And now, He's an old man. He knows that she, he has to know she still lives in the same neighborhood and everything. I, I think you can make an argument that maybe he knew she was doing this, but felt bad for her. Cause he knew what she had been through that he never mm-hmm. ratted her out or he never took her, took her in and, and he just like kind of let it happen because yeah. Because you have you have their meeting in the in back in the day and everything, and he's like, "You're too good for this," and then um, and I talked about this with Meg, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't know." I'm like, "But think about too, like when he's like, look look at yourself in the mirror and tell me, blah blah blah." I think in that moment in the scene in the movie when we witness it, because this is uh, prior to us knowing that she killed all these men, we think it's like she can't look at herself in the mirror because she's you know become a prostitute and she wanted to be a singer and stuff like that. But I think she can't look at herself in the mirror because at that point he knows he's like, you've been killing all these people. She can't look at herself in the mirror because she's been, she's been murdering people. She's just dead inside and just like hacking dudes up and hiding them in the walls and the floorboards. And (laughs) it was kind of like his thing for her was just keeping that secret. And that's why like, He doesn't really talk about it because like now they're both old. They live in the same exact neighborhood. They were both in back in the 60s and he just just he just drinks and hangs out. You know, -hmm. I think he's I think he kind of let that shit go. I think you're right
0: about that. Honestly, it it would make sense because that character, you know, you don't get a ton of there's a lot left for interpretation with that character, um right. which by the way, Terrence stamp plays that that character. he kind of uh just like shows up, but I was like, oh man, I know you. Yeah, are barely in this movie. I've Stop seen you. that, yeah, but um, I think there's intention like they intentionally omitted a lot from that character to try and preserve some mystery. But I like that because there, you know, there is a little bit of a swerve with that character. I think you, for some of the movie, you believe him to be one thing, and obviously he's not. I'm glad he wasn't because the the assumptions the characters make about that character felt very generic. I was like, uh, I'm not gonna like that if that's how it is. <laughs> so yeah. I, I definitely like the way that they they took that character, and uh, I don't know. I think I think you're right about that. It's it made a lot of sense. I wanted to ask you this. Do you think that Thomas and Mackenzie's character
1: is actually like, is she schizophrenic? Hmm. That is such a good question. That, that was one of the, uh, another ambiguous thing that I, I really liked that they did that because it makes it. All right. So here's the, here's the thing that, that kind of leans me towards maybe it's both or maybe she's not. Is that, when, um, what's her face, what's her name, the, the old lady, you know, on Taylor Joy's character, Miss Mrs. Collins mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. When she is telling her about the apartment, she's like, yeah, I need this. Men- I need three months deposit or whatever, because people just run off in the middle of the night, you know, screaming about like ghosts or whatever. That to me sounds like the room is haunted because of the dead bodies in there. You know, Mm -hmm. like that, that just seems like that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. then, yeah, I don't know. Cause there are, you know, she has the the history with her mother and everything like that. So like, you know, it's hard 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 to tell if that's a red herring or if she just is in tune with this supernatural thing, like maybe, and that's why it's like, could it possibly be both? Like maybe she is just in tune with this paranormal stuff, but also is possibly like has like a mental, mental health issue that I don't, I don't know. It's, I I honestly, you could convince me either direction right now. I, I'm not strong enough in, in my theory in either way for her mm-hmm. part, but that's, part of I like think it, that's ew. good.
0: Yeah part of me felt like it was a combination of the two. Yeah. Because there's, I, I totally buy that the, the room is haunted. I mean, you know, she, she's experiencing something somehow that regardless of whether or not the ghosts are real, she is privy to information that she shouldn't be. Right. And, it would just be like way too much of a weird coincidence if she just like dreamt this and it ended up being true. So I think the room is haunted, but I think based on the beginning of the movie with her mom, I think there is also something at play there. And so part of me thinks that the the moments that aren't in the room where the things just kind of show up, they're usually in moments where she's Kind of a, like a heightened state of like, I don't know, like a paranoia or whatever.
1: Yeah, or stress, and, or she's tired.
0: Yeah, and or so part drunk. of me, yeah, part of me feels like it's a combination of both. Like sometimes you're seeing this actual supernatural thing happen, but then other times it's her mind taking over, and you know, some of it is just in her head at that point. And then it also like leaves the question at the very end of the movie when she looks in the mirror and Anya Taylor-Joy's there of, well, if she is schizophrenic, then this is almost like a PTSD type thing. And she's just still seeing her or maybe she never died. I don't, you know, I don't know, but I, I do, I felt like it was probably a combination of the two. Like I, I also think it would have, discounted the movie a little bit to completely like be like, no, there's no way the character schizophrenic because I think, I think Edgar Wright is actually trying to comment on a few things in this movie. And uh like one thing that I had a thought about that I wanted to ask you I feel like we've talked a lot over the last three years of this show of just like how high nostalgia is, especially in Hollywood, like nostalgia sells like crazy. And mm-hmm. I, some ways I feel like this movie is commenting on like kind of like Thomas McKenzie's not nostalgic about the 1960s, but she sees it as a certain way and like it's glamor. And I think, I think in some ways the movie is kind of talking about like, you know, we we're so high on nostalgic, like nostalgia right now and it sells like crazy. But like if you go back and, you know, if it's an old movie, watch it or like think about it. Like, were those things actually as good as you remember them? And um, so I mean, like, at least that's what I thought. And then I, I think, just knowing that or at least thinking that, I feel like there's a couple themes that play here. So I don't really want to discount the idea that maybe she has some sort of like, you know, mental illness or
1: something like that. <clears throat> yeah, no, a hundred percent, because. That's that's why I'm like, it's hard to not be in the camp of, like, can it be both? Because, so, like, yes. How does she get information correct if it was just schizophrenia? Like, that, that wouldn't make any sense at all. So, like, I don't think that that tracks. But then if it was ghosts and the business is settled and everything, then how is she still seeing them? So, I think it could be a combination of the two where... She does see the ghosts. Yes, it's haunted, but she has this other issue that she will still see them. I don't know, because it's hard to say because who's the other person that she sees? Is her mother from the beginning. So it's is that the is that planted there to trick you into thinking that like she's always been able to see ghosts? Or is it to trick you to be like, well, she has she has this issue with her. She's schizophrenic. Um, she she sees these these things. And then that way, when you get to the point where she is seeing ghosts and there are actual ghosts, it's kind of gaslighting you into thinking that they're not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I, I appreciate that ambiguity, but on the other hand, I feel like it does make it kind of confusing to a point where it's, it's hard to know like what the rules are in that world. Maybe that's the intention and maybe, you know, it's not, it's not for us to pick apart, but that's literally what we do on the show. So maybe, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's kind of up in the air,
0: which I'm okay with. I'm
1: okay with it being ambiguous and slightly up in the air. I don't think it takes away from the, the full story, the themes of the movie and everything. I do think that parts of the movie, I think there are things that could have been more clear for me, or mm-hmm. like just a bit, a bit less muddied to help me really like appreciate that ending. Like, I understand feeling bad for Annie Taylor Joy's character. I get all of that, but like it does fall into like the tropiness of like this old lady slow, like stabs the young man. And then like now everybody is slowly crawling upstairs. This whole house is burning down. Like there are like cinematic aspects to it where I'm, I'm like, you know, it, it kind of seems tropey. Like that's how like a mystery movie ends. Like, Oh, the manor is burning down and the one who did it is going to die in the blaze whatever and like they got to get out of the house like i think there were things about it that were like not necessarily bad but they were like i don't know it just wasn't as um as groundbreaking as the rest of the movie had been so like mm-hmm. in juxtaposition with its with like these previous scenes that were were like really cool visually astounding things like that I felt like it kind of fizzled out at the end instead of really like going out with a bang. Yeah.
0: Like I said earlier, I I think the first half of the movie is way stronger than the second half, um, which is my biggest complaint and I just feel like like I think we can both agree this movie is this is an unconventional horror movie, right? Like this is not yeah. how horror movies are typically made or or what they do. And so I felt like for such an unconventional horror film, the third act became very conventional. (laughs) And uh, like, I, yeah, I mean, just going off what you said, just, I felt like it fell into a lot of trappings that a lot of horror movies do where it's like, oh, well we have to do these things at the end. And that, that bummed me out for sure. Because, the first hour was so freaking good. And I do think that at a certain point, like I said, with the repetitiveness of the ghosts and all that stuff, it no longer becomes like, at least the way I was feeling. It was, it was not so much like, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to know what's happening. It was more like, okay, are you going to fucking tell me or not? Because I've seen the same thing like four times now. And, uh, so, Yeah, I mean in some ways I feel like the horror to this movie is in some ways I don't want to say it's downfall because I still really like the movie, but you know, the horror elements to this horror movie are the weakest aspects of it. But then there are so many other things about it that like make it great, where it's so much better than most horror movies. It's it's a weird combination. But I mean I Edgar Ray has never you know, he's he hasn't made his living making horror films. Uh, he's made his living making, you know, very original, uh, films. Usually films that like kind of bend gen- or like genres in a way. And yeah,
1: uh, well, I mean, so Shaun like, of the Dead is horror and comedy. Hmm. Um. At World's End, I mean, would you consider? I mean, that's more sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I was gonna say like, Baby
0: Driver is almost like an action musical in some ways yeah um so i mean i think he's always been someone that that's done that i just felt like maybe because Shaun of the dead doesn't feel nearly as like horror movie-esque as this at least in my opinion i always felt like Shaun of the dead took a very um you know accepted horror theme and made it a comedy right whereas this feels like it's leaning way more into the horror so yeah I I think
1: so I think I agree with you I
0: I just didn't feel like maybe the horror aspects to it were done nearly as well as all the other things but there's still like I think maybe if you're like a die-hard horror fan or and if you're one of those people that just like wants to just watch something and be scared by it maybe this isn't gonna do it for you but I think if you know you really like movies and you like watching great filmmaking and you just want to see an original story you probably will enjoy this a lot. Um, I know, you know, despite my complaints with the horror stuff, I I liked it a lot. I left, you know, pretty happy. I was uh, extremely excited for it. And it really didn't let me
1: down at all. Yeah. I made a joke when I left the theater just to get you, get you like, uh Oh, is this not going to be that good? I said, I um, was, I was rattled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what I was going for. I was trying to rattle. I was (laughs) like uh, last night in Soho, more like last night in so-so. Well, I had, like, just seen the Eternals, like, score.
0: And I said when we did the trailer park for that one, I was like, this movie can only disappoint me at this point. I am so hyped for it. And then it's, like, 58 or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, God. And then you're yeah. like, last night in So-So. And I was like, is everything else after Dune going to be shitty? <laughs> like, is yeah, Dune the, the high point in my career, in my life? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So, sir, <laughs> we've gotten here. Let me get the... The tomato tomatoes, tomato tomato. The critics
0: they're bringing this in at a 75 percent. Okay, solid C. Yeah, C. The um, the average score on that is actually lower than that. Interesting, is that? Yeah, but the audience tomato they're bringing this in at a 90. Wow, A
1: minus. Okay. Well, I think that makes it easy for me because I'm going to say tomato and uh yeah, I gave it an a minus. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I had a really fun time watching this. Even uh, the other thing I should say too, is like, even the qualms I had with it were not like super offensive to me. Like I didn't, there wasn't any aspect of this movie that I was just like, wow, that really sucked that they did it like that. Or like, whoa, whoa, that was a real disappointment that that happened. Like even the predictability factor I was okay with because at, maybe at that point, any other option would have made no sense. And at least this, even if it is um, not shocking or groundbreaking and it is predictable, at least it makes some sense, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it is an ending.
0: It's, it's an ending. And then, like I said, just before I do you think this movie's very original? I I tend to to, you know, praise original ideas and stuff way more. And I feel like uh it's it's hard to compare this to something else, which is cool. So yeah, I uh I went tomato and I'm right behind you. I give it a B plus.
1: Nice. I was teetering between the two, so that's perfect. One of us gives one, one of us gives the other. Everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was having a hard time figuring out if I was B plus or a minus, but, um, but yeah, no, I had a really fun time watching this. I think it, I think it lived up to my expectation of it. Like I wasn't going expecting, you know, Oh, this is going to be my, my favorite movie of the year, or like, it's going to blow everything away. Like I was excited for it. It looked really interesting. I was very intrigued by the trailers. I think the trailers did a great job selling this movie without telling you too much of what's going on. Um, there were a lot of, like, funny moments in it. it. Yeah, I I mean, it's shot beautifully. There's so many, like, cool, interesting shots. There's so many interesting, like, techniques and, and camera tricks that they pull, especially with working with, like, the mirrors and, like, kind of the the dreaminess of what's going on and it's all done. Like, you know, it's primarily done like practical, like obviously the ghosts and stuff are going to be CGI, but, um, yeah, I think, I just think it, it's awesome. Like it looks really cool. Like it's definitely worth seeing in theaters and, uh, yeah, Edgar Wright's just the man. You got to watch that, um, him dissecting the scene thing. Cause he, he talks about like Shaun of the dead and whatnot. And he talks about that dance scene in, in this movie. And, um, he keeps calling it the, the Texas switch. He's like, I, I put a Texas switch in every one of my movies. It's like where you see <laughs> your actor doing the thing a couple of times. And then like, while you're still in one take, like the camera moves and now they're off screen. And then a stunt double does like something dramatic. <laughs> and it like I think, uh... tricks you into thinking that like, or believing that they're, they actually did it. Because yeah. they've shown you them doing something similar like three other times right before leading up to it, I I think my f- favorite part in Scott Pilgrim
0: is a Texas switch, as, as when he jumps said. out the window.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> that. He, he he dissects that scene in that in that video and it's so funny. Oh, uh,
0: awesome! Yeah. Uh, I want to watch. I know you sent it to me and I was like, I'm I'm going to check this out like immediately. And then I obviously did, didn't, but I, I'm going to watch it because I, I really wanted to. Yeah. The the first time I saw that scene uh, when I watched Scott, I, the first time I ever saw Scott Pilgrim was by myself, like in my room one night. I was like, I've always wanted to watch this. I'll put it on. So I just watched it by myself one night and it was like late. It was like two in the morning and that part happened and I lost my goddamn mind. Like I was just there by myself losing it. That was the funniest fucking thing. Yeah, and, it's awesome. Uh, there's a, there's another one in. He does it in Hot Fuzz. I think, I think I think it's I was gonna say I think it's Hot Fuzz. I've only seen Hot Fuzz once, but I think there's one with. I can't remember. I I thought there was one where he like does a flip or something like
1: that, and it's clearly yeah. not him. Yeah, that's the one. So it's it's when uh, Simon Pegg is jumping the fences, which is a callback to Shaun of the Dead. When he he tries to, you know, he's just like, oh, you've never taken a shortcut before. Then he crashes through the fence. So, Mm -hmm. like, in this one, Simon Pegg's character is, like, a badass. So, he actually does do the fence jumps. So, Edgar Wright's (laughs) breaking it down. He's like, so here, he's like, it's actually Simon doing the jumps for the first three fences. So, he shows it, and it's playing. He's like, so that's Simon. (laughs) That's him. That's him. And now here, he lands, and there's a stunt man there who had, like, a little trampoline, and he does the flip, and he's like, "That's where the switch takes place." Like <laughs> yeah. so he he lands on the other side of the fence, and then the stunt the stunt man does like a quadruple flip like flip, over the yeah, fence. over the um, fence. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Like I love it. And but just thinking like like that, and um, and he said too. Um, now I'm just talking about that Vanity Fair thing. You guys should go watch it. But he's talking about like because then afterwards. Um, Nick Frost does the bit where he crashes through the fence which is from Shaun of the Dead so he's like told Nick he's just like he's like and when we crash through the fence look back at the camera he's like what why he's like there's nobody there that doesn't make any sense why would I do that and Edgar Rice he's like He's like, because you should take the credit. He's like, you're doing the stunt, and no one's going to believe that you actually did it if you don't turn (laughs) around and look back at the camera. He's like, just look at the fence like, oh, my God, I can't believe the destruction I just did. But he's basically (laughs) like, he's like, you should look back. That way people know that it was you. Like, it's not even, like, a thing, like, thematically important to the movie, but he's just like, nah, bro, like, you're going to break your body through this thing? Like, show your face. Let them know that you did it. (laughs) I think that's really funny.
0: That's hilarious. I... Yeah, it's funny. There's um there's a channel called um VFX Artist React that I watch all the time. It, the channel on uh YouTube is Corridor Crew. And if you're like into like any like visual effects from movies and stuff like that, check it out. the channel is awesome and they've like grown to the point now where now that now they get like celebrities on. Like Seth Rogen was on talking about like the CGI for like some of his movies like uh um what's what's the one where they're all playing themselves? Blanking on the name. This uh, is the this end. Is the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was like talking about that and stuff like that, but they just did one for Dune and they compare Dune 84 to Dune 2021. And yeah. the, have
1: you seen this? No, I don't think so. Oh, is okay. this the one you, you sent should... me? That was the sound one.
0: No, the sound one, you got to watch The sound one's awesome. This one's a lot more watch. like, Oh, it's so good. Yeah. But, um, this, I think you would like this too. Um They, the 2021 stuff for the most part, they're blown away by. And there's a few things that they like tell you like exactly how they did it. Like the shields are like, like, this isn't like the most like complex effect. Like this is how you would do it. But then there's other things that they're like amazed by. But the thing that's related to what we were just talking about that I was laughing at. Um In D- Dune 84, there's the scene where Gurney and Paul are training and they put the shields on. Oh yeah. And, and Gurney. And Gurney is, uh, you know, played by Patrick Stewart in the 84 one. There's a scene where Gurney slides towards the camera. And if you just pause it, it is so obvious not Patrick Stewart. Like, for whatever reason, they decided to shoot a stunt double with, like, a head-on close-up. <laughs> Love it. And, and they just, like, freeze it. Like, wait a minute, that's not Patrick Stewart. And they freeze it, and it's just this random dude. I started dying. <laughs> I was like, it's amazing.
1: like, fuck? Yeah, yeah. Send, me, send me that video. I want to see that.
0: Yeah, it's good. There's some, you know, I, a lot of people shit on the 84 Doom, but there's a lot of really cool tricks in it. Also, like, some of the effects look like dog water, but then some of them are all, like, that's really awesome for like back in the eighties.
1: So yeah, yeah, I'll,
0: I'll send it to you when we stop recording.
1: Well, that sounds awesome. And you know, what else is awesome is following us on social media at two dudes, movie reviews, perfect segue. And, yeah. um, <laughs> also awesome. Giving us five star reviews on Apple podcasts, written reviews are great. Um, you can go to two dudes, movie sign up for our newsletter and yeah, just like stay in touch with us. Follow you can follow me at Sky Halud for all the spicy Dune memes, and, and you uh, can follow me at Colin Two Dudes. <laughs> yeah, Colin still Colin Two Dudes. Not Colin yeah. Idaho yet. it Should just be Colin Idaho. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the just do all that. And yeah, next week we're talking Marvel Eternals. I'm excited. Oh. Also, we got a new Spider Man yeah. trailer. So I'm gonna go come oh. in my pants. And until then, suck it, swampies.